worst bestsellers, where we read about the contents of Anastasia's green notebook, so you don't have to. I'm Renata, and Kate is actually off shopping for a new poetry outfit, so she is not here this week. And for this episode, we read Anastasia Krupnik by Lois Lowry. Joining us to discuss this epic saga of fifth grade love and hate are Anna and Aline, the Bellwether friends. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Thanks for having us. We're excited. So we're the worst best friends, although we're minus Kate this week, so the dynamic is slightly different, and and we'll just see how it goes. You know? It's 100% pro-cat. <laughs> right. Extremely Ooh, pro-cat. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. Like, you know, um, well, we were just talking, so this book has a lot of Catholicism in it. We're down our Catholic splainer. So we're, we're just going to do our best. And that's all you can ask of us. Yeah, yeah. we miss Kate and we're glad uh, that she has the opportunity to go poetry outfit shopping and, and relax. And it's going to be really fun for me to try to Catholic explain via <laughs> past besties being Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't wait to see Kate's new fit. This is, of course, we're continuing flashback summer uh, reading classics of our, or occasionally not so classics, in this case, <laughs> classics of our childhoods and our guests' childhoods. In terms of content warnings, uh, there's some really moving emotional stuff about uh, Alzheimer's grandmas, but, you know, none of the real big kind of uh, content warnings. So, so that's nice. That was nice. I appreciate that. <laughs> so um, when you approached us, Aline and I are seven years apart in age. And so we had to we had to take a little time to find a book that we both read as young people and liked that you hadn't already done. <laughs> mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. feel like we landed on a good one with Anastasia Krupnik. It's a good on one. A great one. <laughs> yes. And, I, you know, I said I had read this. In retrospect, I'm not sure if I ever actually read this one. I definitely had read some of the ones in the Anastasia series. Um, Wait a minute. You didn't read them all in order? I don't think I did. Yeah. (gasps) I know. I, you know, it's funny. So reading this, a lot of it reminded me of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, which we read earlier this flashback summer, in ways where, like, both of them reading it as an adult i'm like wow this is like incredibly written like such good characterization such like on point emotions but both of these i think at the time that i was reading them first i was like it's a little too real like it's a little too i as a small midwestern child i wasn't prepared to be quite so confronted with my exact emotions (laughs) and i was like i don't need this right now a little bit that's fair we were uh talking with a friend this morning about are you there god it's me margaret and anastasia krupnik both and i agree with the it's too close. I don't want to feel this right now kind of feeling with, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. But for some reason, Anastasia Krupnik was just, it was close enough and distant enough that I just, I just loved it. And, you know, I dodged having a baby brother, but um, everything else about her was so relatable for me. Yeah. And I guess we should say, because I mean, this series, it is a, it is a classic 
Lois Lowry's iconic author. I do feel like Anastasia Krupnik hasn't quite had like the cultural staying power and the cultural like um, stickiness, which is not the word I, I was going to say the cultural stickiness of Are You There, Guys, Me, Margaret. And I was like, I don't want to call that book sticky. Um, but I did. <laughs> it has. Yeah, right. It it. It's not the first thing that anyone thinks of. Um, I know that they tried to like rebrand the covers and sort of bring it back about 10 years ago. Probably more than that. Well, I was reading this this interview in 2013 where they yeah. were sort of talking about it. And I don't think it caught on at that point either. But, you know, it's kind of too bad. And so maybe... I do know that 10 years ago, the librarians were horrified at the new covers. Yes, okay. (laughs) Um, I do hope that, you know, a couple of people listening to this episode will be like, well, you know what? I'm going to try that book. It sounds fun. Yes. And I think if you did, you would be pleasantly surprised if you haven't read these before. You'd be like, wow. Um, But so this, we read the first one of the series. It came out in 1979. And... I think another thing that maybe sort of has impacted the way this book's like career has gone or whatever is that it wasn't like a babysitter's club series where like new books were coming out every month. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at this list of the whole series and they kind of like dribbled out over the years, like every few years to the point where book nine came out in 1995. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember, I was not eight when the first one came out and I read them all as they came out because I loved Anastasia so much, even though she wasn't aging as rapidly as I was. Did you read the last one in 1995? No, Mm, I don't think I did either, but But I I read read the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then what's this Anastasia off her rocker in 2015? Yeah. 2015. Is on the list, it's not numbered. I'm like, is this something special? You guys put this in here. Tell me about it. What do you know about Anastasia Effer Rocker? I don't. I copied oh and pasted God. that from Fantastic Fiction, and oh I noticed God. that the last one didn't have a number on it, and I didn't know. I feel like they, they is, came... I mean, is this Anastasia in her 30s? I Who think knows? They, no, <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't grow up. Hey, no. Hey, I think Anastasia Effer Rocker is just literally just a retitle of anastasia ask your analyst analyst yeah this is not a new book this is just a retitle of ask your analyst that's weird oh because ask your analyst makes no sense to the modern child (laughs) yes i mean off off her rocker has its own problems (laughs) i was gonna say yeah dreamly woody allen you're right uh yeah i feel like next year is gonna need a third new title (laughs) Yeah, like Anastasia. Mm. Anastasia explores mental health services. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I I want to see. So the the first book in the series was adapted for the stage, and I want to see that. Yes. Performance. Yeah. If any repertory theaters in the New England are doing it, please let us know. We'll take a road trip. I'm speaking go. for you guys, but we'll we will. No, no, we will. Oh yeah, totally. absolutely. We'll um we'll get into our Dodge Chargers, our American Muscle Cars, one person per car because we yes. don't care about the environment. We do care about family. Yes. Um, I'm crossing over. I'm turning Anastasia Krupnik into the Fast and Furious podcast that we keep talking about doing, and technically it, have done one episode of. It's true on the well, Bellwether Friends because there's ten, and yeah. you know, there's not ten because Anastasia Offer Rocker is not a real book. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is just a book that will be retitled in the future as something else. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but that's fine. Anyway, what I was trying to say, I feel like this is real Anastasia energy of like where we're just following our tangents and writing down new vocabulary words such as analyst into our notebooks. What I was going to say is because I think this book has not had the enduring popularity the widespread, I should say, popularity of some other books. If you're not familiar with Anastasia Krupnik, uh, it's delightful. It is, in a lot of ways, pretty similar. I feel like two are either Goddess Me Margaret, except that it doesn't get into the period stuff in this one. Does she get her period in later books? Does she ever get into all that? I think so. I feel like she does get to be like 13 because sam gets to be like three or four Mm -hmm. sam becomes verbal during the course of the series oh good for him i think you mean one ball riley (laughs) i think i do (laughs) sorry about that oh Uh, and you know what they didn't they didn't list it but um lois lowry did write attaboy sam which was a related there were four books about sam I about Sam. One ball, Riley. Yes. <laughs> yes. But we're jumping ahead because some of these people don't even know about Sam yet. Um, some of these listeners. Right. People, people. Sorry. But it's similar structurally in that it's sort of like kind of a relatively gentle, like coming of age, going, following her through her school year, her like sort of mundane travails. Instead of like where we would get Margaret's like prayers as kind of like a structure, instead we get Anastasia's notebook where she writes, she keeps a running list of things she loves and things she hates. And it's, you know, as you go on, sometimes she'll move something from love to hate or from hate to love. And she also writes down new vocabulary words that she learns. It's sort of a diary, but it's not exactly like a traditional diary. It's Uh, definitely a precursor to the bullet journal. Yeah, it's a bullet journal. Yes, exactly. Yes. She was ahead of her time. She was, in a lot of ways. Ahead of time. I know that we're going to dive into specifics, but the, the thing that I really like about this book is like how easy it is to visualize her sort of like going to school and on her way, you know, sticking her tongue at it, whoever she's decided that she hates, stopping by the drugstore constantly to look at periodicals. <laughs> And then going home and having conversations, like long conversations with her parents and reading and then going to school again, like just like her world of fixed things that she changes her relationship to constantly. Yeah. And and it's for us, it's a sort of local story because I she's living uh, in Cambridge, I assume, because she talks about going to Harvard Square. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how Boston-y it was when, you know, when I was a kid, I had no concept of Boston-y things. I was just like, I like this girl. She, Her dad is a professor. My dad is a professor. She has a small younger sibling. I have a small y- younger sibling. I liked, I mean, the first one is when she grabbed me because she had serious only child energy. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I was not threatened with a younger sibling, but I definitely would have had the feelings that she had had I been threatened. <laughs> uh, and I love the cityscape. I am, as a small person, I loved um, 
Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing and the following books because they lived in the city and they took the elevator down to go to the park and so on. And I thought that was the most romantic thing in the world because I lived in the woods. <laughs> so I she was came like, from the woods. <laughs> was like, oh my god, this is awesome. They, so they're it's in all pavement. There's no trees. <laughs> they're in an apartment in this one, but in later ones, they have like a house. I think I remember. Yeah, because that's well. This one in my copy of this book, it ended with a little preview of the second book, and I just kept reading because I like you know I was in it. Um, the second one is Anastasia again, and. Anastasia is very dismayed because due to we're spoiler this book ends with the birth of Sam her aka one ball Riley her new younger brother and because of the arrival of this child uh, they are going to move from their cozy Cambridge apartment out to a house in the suburbs at which if you'll recall is sort of like what happens at the very beginning of are you there goddess me Margaret so the next book is, you know, Anastasia's in her Margaret era. The, and another similarity, by the way, that I was thinking about a lot is that her parents, so her dad, Myron, is a professor of English literature, specifically poetry, and he is a poet. He has published four books of poems, and the fourth one is dedicated to Anastasia, so it's her favorite. And uh, her mom is a painter, but like a a working painter and her, like, you know, an, an artistic painter, not like a house painter, but her <laughs> father, her everyone in the house respects mom's career as a painter and Anastasia thinks it's cool. And, you know, her mom's kind of like a, a quirky artist versus and are you there? Goddess me, Margaret, Margaret and her dad both sort of like make fun of her mom's art. And it's sort of like a little, it's like a cute little hobby she has. Like, it's not a book that respects her mother's artwork compared to not to keep rehashing the Margaret episode, which is out and you can just listen to it. And the movie, we really like the change that they made in the movie where the movie gives her mom's art a little more respect in a way that is not clear in the text of the book. So uh, Lois Lowry ahead of the game, respecting mom's paint career since 1979. Absolutely. Good job. I remember being scandalized that Anastasia's father was 10 years older than her mother <gasps> oh, in this book. I remember thinking that that was just absolutely scandalous. And upon rereading as an old lady, I am now suspicious that she was his student. Is that in the text? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think that... I mean, he did... <laughs> Sort of say when when Anastasia is quizzing him about like past flames, he was like, "Yeah, there are lots of girls that see a poet and then have hard eyes." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, poets with jobs are even better. Wow, amazing! <laughs> There's another moment I really like. Again, this is a, ahead of its time in in non toxic masculinity icons, Myron yes. Krupnik where Anastasia is grilling her mom about her past love interests. And her mom talks about a time when, you know, she had been dating this lawyer and they realized they were going to break up because he wanted to go to the city and be a big lawyer. And she wanted to be an artist. And they realized their, their life paths were not on the same track. And she, uh, her mom cried and Anastasia was like, well, did the man cry? And she was like, no, he didn't cry. 
and uh, her mom says something like, oh, men, men don't cry very often. And she's like, well, dad cries. Dad cries every time we listen to the symphony and like he cries. And she's like, yeah, that's why I married him. And it's sweet. Oh, Myron. It's sweet in a way that like when I was a kid, I don't know if that I don't know how much that did for me as a kid. But as an right. adult reading it, I'm like, oh. Yeah, it is very nice. I'm I was laughing because I was like, oh, crybaby Myron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um Myron does does seem to cry with feelings instead of uh crying to manipulate as I have experienced in my life. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll save that for a different episode. Yeah. We will get to come Bella to bring Bella their friends back and talk about past yeah, relationships. Okay. <laughs> Um, or you can come back. I'm trying to think what relationship book we haven't done yet, but I'm sure there's one. Well, well, our door is always open to you. <laughs> Thank you. What else? Oh, another thing that that I, I feel like is, again, a little bit ahead of its time, maybe, in the way that it's mentioned and it's, like, matter of fact, but it's not a big deal. Anastasia gets a crush on uh, Myra or sorry, Myron's her dad. Whoops. She gets a crush on Washburn Cummings, who is a slightly older boy who is black. And she, in her dramatic Anastasia way, like tells her parents, like, I'm in love with Washburn Cummings and he is older and he is African-American. And is that going to be a problem? And her mom roasts her dad because they've recently had a small disagreement about her dad sort of making fun of her mom's childhood crush. And she, her mom says, I don't care if you get involved with someone who's African-American or in the sixth grade. I just don't want you to get involved with someone who is insensitive or who is want to trespass on the inviolate memories of childhood in a way that is completely lacking in charity or compassion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Oh, pregnancy hormones. <laughs> yes. And another, like recurring issue of contention is so her father's had four poetry books published the second one is dedicated to annie who's an ex-girlfriend and her mom like hates any mention of annie who pops up a couple times she hates that book and then the third one is dedicated to Catherine, and the fourth one is dedicated to anastasia uh i forget who the first one's dedicated to maybe his mom doesn't matter anyway you know Anastasia's white she has hair the color of Hubbard squash like it's this is a book about a, like a white middle class family but it isn't you know colorblind in the way that some other books of this era would be and it's not like actively racist in the way that some other books are so so that's nice so good job what what so, so there are like various through lines in this book one of them is like her parents are going to have a baby and that's not cool with her. And one of them is her grandmother who has Alzheimer's or similar and is in I think home. in retrospect, maybe they just call it dementia. And I think I brought right. Alzheimer's in the notes. Um, Based on my own experiences bleeding through. Right. And then, but all of this is like while she is trying to figure herself out and what her identity is. And one of the big things is about her name which is where the Catholicism comes in. I don't, we haven't really, we haven't really gotten across how funny this book is, but like 
she decides she wants to have more names so she doesn't have a middle name so she's going to convert to catholicism it makes perfect sense and so she can choose her confirmation name and she is uh set upon becoming anastasia perpetua krupnik yeah and (laughs) i wanted to i wanted to talk about the name renata had mentioned this in the notes and um i don't because I'm older, I'll tell my story first, and then you can relate. Yes. <laughs> but as, I, will, as... I will listen quietly to my elders. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my name is Aline, and a lot of people have never heard it before, and a lot of people mispronounce it. And I don't know if that is a factor for Anastasia or Renata, I'm, but they're all three unique names, and Anastasia is horrified that if she tried to put her name on a t-shirt it would disappear into her armpits and i was mostly horrified by people not being able to pronounce my name because i i didn't think it was that difficult and it was it was i mean i was an adult when i realized that i could tell people hey it's like allison and alfred and alexander it's the same a as that but it was a source of frustration and distress i couldn't find my name imprinted on a license plate when we were traveling mm. and and all Speak of these on things. it sister right right i'm so there and you know renata has a, a similar experience i did have an aunt who was committed to giving me things with my name imprinted on them for like every birthday until i was 15 um mm-hmm. which is which is really nice cuz it wasn't you had to like special order from a cereal box. You couldn't just get on the internet and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Renata? Yes. Yes. For me, it was my grandma. Yes. She would always order me stuff that custom had my name on it. Um, like I, oh, my favorite, I had a custom like set of Garfield notepads that had like Garfield holding a pencil and then it said Renata K. Sankin on it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Really good. Wait, what is your what is your middle name? Yeah. In fact, it is this is like a recurring frustration <laughs> for me as well because it is K K A Y, but oh. it, it's very oh what's your middle name? K. No, not your initial, the name. Well, it's K. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, this is, mom and dad. Yeah, it is the same problem that Homer J Simpson has, so I do that's another fictional character I feel kinship with <laughs> for his name reasons. I thought it might uh, be Renata Krupnik Simpson. Oh, yeah. Simpson. <laughs> Renata Krupnik Simpson. I mean, okay, I'm blending really, everything yeah, together. Okay. Sorry about that. That, no, that is a crossover Simpson. event. It is a big crossover <laughs> event. You know, yeah. that would be that would be a fun character, I think. It would be. Well, and I, in addition to having Aline as a name in my in my life, in my extended family, because I was named for my grandmother Aline, I was Aline Elizabeth. I was not known as Aline in my extended family until after my grandmother died in my 30s. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, you know, and so I I certainly didn't like tell people to call me Aline Elizabeth because um, I was struggling so much with getting them to say Aline correctly. Well, I don't think we've heard enough from the people whose names are on all the license plates. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. do tell us how you feel about your name. You know, Anna. <laughs> it's it's so tedious when you go into like a a tourist shop and your name is on everything, and you're like, I just don't know what to choose from. <laughs> There's so many things. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am kicking her in the shins for you, uh, Renata. <laughs> but I so I was also named for. 
my great grandmother, um, RIP from the from the pandemic, the original pandemic. Um, the OG. The, we we just visited her grave in Chicago. Um, wow. And, but um, so no. <laughs> I don't know anything about becoming Catholic, but I gather from so Anastasia and I are on the same level of understanding about becoming catholic <laughs> um i read an interview with lois lowry where she says that anastasia's parents are lapsed jews mm-hmm. basically and lapsed so they jews. they celebrate christmas but you know there's just sort of like existing in the world and so it doesn't seem like they've done a lot of religious education at all with anastasia and so like i know that there are like stages in the catholic existence there are seven where you sacraments like, baptize is that or baptism is, that, okay. is one of them <laughs> confirmation is one of them communion is one of them the last rites are one of them i don't know them all of course but yeah that's like more than 50 percent great yeah. you're doing great Good job i know the seven deadly sins much better <laughs> <laughs> hang on i do i want to jump back to names real quick though actually yeah, yeah. um which is related of course but two things I said two. There's probably going to be more than two. Some things. Anastasia is very mad because um, it's very trendy to have a nickname that ends in I and she can't have one. But she could. It could be Ani. And we know this from Ani DeFranco. <laughs> yes. Past, Thank you. Past, uh, past topic of podcast. But I also went through that and I had a phase where I wanted to be called Ren, R-E-N. And then Ren and Simpy kind of like blew up my spot on that. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so I, I relate to that. I think maybe the most unrealistic thing in this whole book is that your poet and painter parents didn't give you a middle name. Like Anastasia, they were just like Anastasia done. Perfect. These people should have been like Anastasia Frida, Anastasia, like they should have had like an incredibly long list of people they wanted to name her after. How do you just stop Anastasia? That's good. I don't buy it. Also, this is on the name front too. In order to placate her when they tell her the news about her impending sibling, they, well, her dad says that she can name her baby brother anything she wants, even though her mom is like, <laughs> he's like, no, no, anything you want. <clears throat> and then she writes the name that she's go- she's going to rage name <laughs> the baby yeah. in the back of her notebook. And it's several chapters before we discover what the range name is going to be. <laughs> We've already alluded to it being One Ball Riley. <laughs> Which, this is the kind of thing where I feel like sh- she must have seen that on a show or read it in a book or something. Like, how do you come up with One Ball? But it's, we don't get like, um, you know, an origin for it. It just simply is one ball, Riley. She says that she heard like some older boys singing a song about it on the corner. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, she, she describes how they're like singing the song and they go quiet when she's passing by, but then she pretends to have a rock in her shoe so she can listen and they start up again, I guess. So, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to search my ebook text. Fully miss that. Foolish. The so the 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 naming of her brother turns out to be like the thing that ties everything together and makes me cry at the end. 
I'm going to find it. You carry on. Okay. She is going to reread the book right here as we record. Um, I'm looking at the notes and I, we haven't, I feel like we've been all over the place and we haven't like told the story of the story, but in an article that I read and it may have been the Wikipedia article, it says that it's told episodically and that like each chapter could almost stand alone because they're, they're, while they are all about Anastasia, they are, um, they're definitely like little stories as you go. Anna has found found the spot. Okay. Okay. She leafed through the last pages until she found the secret page on which she had written the name for the baby. It was still as terrible a name as it had been the very first day that she heard it. That had been the last day, the day last September when she had walked past Washburn Cummings, former and future love interest, and his friends as they stood on the street corner near the J. Henry Bosler Elementary School. They were singing. As Anastasia walked by, one of the boys had said, shh, and they had stopped singing. But they had started again when she was passed, and she had stopped, knelt, pretended to tie her shoe, and listened to the song. It had a lot of verses, and she didn't understand all of them, but they were all about a man with a very peculiar, very terrible name. Oh, okay, this isn't mine. I just can't read. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, let's talk about Anastasia's grandmother, mm. because that is that's tough. We can talk about how Anastasia hates feelings. <laughs> Yeah. And one of the one of the ways she talks about her feelings is that it makes her uncomfortable to think about her grandmother in the nursing home. And when her grandmother comes over and she has to like introduce herself to her grandmother multiple times uh, because she doesn't recognize her. That's 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 hard. Yeah. Yeah. When um, you Renata said that it is like too real and when I read this first and for several years after I had a grandparent in a nursing home who we visited every week after my dance classes and, you know, everyone in the hallway would like pet me as I went by and um, there, the experience was very, it was very accurate. I remember, I remember reading it and being like, oh, so it's not just me. It's like, not you know, and I think my mom had explained to me that, you know, seeing a child in a nursing home, this is a, a treat for the residents. But I was still sort of like, that's, this just seems weird because everybody's like, hi, how you doing? Um, and, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, uh, yeah. And so I, I really related to that. My dad's father was physically needed help and support his he was still sharp and didn't have um obvious signs of dementia but it was a it was a similar sort of situation what about you um i mean for me it wasn't until i was a little bit older that well my my maternal grandfather and my paternal grandmother both ended up in uh in homes for um, dementia care, Alzheimer's care for like pretty long time. Um, But just even um, the kind of the sense of it being like, I don't understand. Like, for example, my Girl Scout troop would go and visit senior, like a, you know, a senior home or whatever. And it was just like, I don't understand why, they just want like I'm not a child they know like why is this of interest 
what are you doing? Um, so yeah, just the sort of like bewilderment of old people, um, as a child of like, why, uh, why? Um, and then I think, um, I don't know, just the part when she, there's also parts where I'm like, this is an emotional conversation that like, I feel like my family wouldn't be capable of having (laughs) when she is just like, Oh, I've realized that it makes me uncomfortable to see my grandma because it makes my heart hurt. And her mom's like, yeah, Anastasia, all of our hearts hurt. And it's like, okay, yeah. All of our hearts do hurt. That's true. Yeah. There, I mean, there are a lot of good... The way that she and her parents, like, discuss things is good. It's like a good model, which, you know, my family was not into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't discuss anything. No. Correct. And- my we did talk about our feelings when i was growing up but just me and my mom my dad didn't didn't my dad didn't participate in these feelings talks no feelings (laughs) no thank you so i um but i i like her parents in this very much i you know they are definitely modeling good behaviors that we could still learn from 40 years Mm -hmm. later uh in on many levels so her so her parents are having a baby her grandma is sick it's very episodic kind of so like she has a crush on washburn cummings and then um embarrasses herself and then she hates the girls in her class (laughs) who all join this the club with people whose names end in i she decides to become catholic she goes to her dad's class and it turns out to be not a great experience not a great class i was like this is real no one has done the reading the kids all say the same thing that they say every time i especially liked when he's like telling one of his students we agree that you weren't going to use the word dichotomy anymore (laughs) (laughs) i thought we agreed (laughs) i thought we agreed that you were going to stop saying dichotomy right Uh, that was that was pretty good there's just a whole there's a whole bunch of like one-liner things renata has put in the doc not only do i not have interesting things happen to me i also never have any money like (laughs) just single lines where you're like that's hilarious and true future meme material here yeah yeah Yeah. real, real good Anastasia would slay on Twitter slash Blue Sky. And also, I feel like her parents could have a really good, like, things my daughter says account. It's just like, uh, you know, my daughter said nothing interesting happens to me and I never have money. And then I would retweet that. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, the the framing of it, it you know, it, every chapter is just kind of like random events. But you get an updated list of her things I love and things I hate lists as she changes her opinions on things. Oh, one thing we should dive into a little bit more just because I referenced it in the intro and we talked about her visiting her dad's poetry class, but she like very carefully wants to assemble her poetry outfit for right. class so that like she'll look cool, which is, you know, of course, all in black, poets dress in black, turtleneck. Uh, and turtleneck. And then she's excited because, like, most of the other kids in class are wearing similar poetry outfits. And she's like, yes, nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Got it in one. 
Um, but okay, her Anastasia's poetry outfit was quite simple. She put a black turtleneck shirt on with her jeans, replaced her owl's eye shaped glasses with dark glasses, and undid her ponytail. She combed her hair straight and flat. If she had time, she would have painted her fingernails crimson. That was what the visiting lady poet who had come to their class had worn. She had also worn a cape, but Anastasia had no cape. She covered her poetry outfit with her green ski jacket and walked with her father to the university. <laughs> By the way, Kate does have a cape, but I bet she's going to buy a new cape for her poetry yeah, outfit. Yeah, for sure. Probably. Um, so then everything comes down to... Everything happens at once because of Anastasia's wart. <laughs> oh, yeah. Obviously. Obviously. So we have not talked about the wart, but it features prominently in the first chapter where she like, it's a thing that happened to her when she was 10. She got a wart and then later disappeared. And um, I appreciate the the like physical aspects of that. Like having a wart is an interesting thing that happens to you or the kid in your class that has a chip front tooth has like some cachet because they have a chip front tooth and that's interesting and different. Yeah. And it's not like bad to have warts or to have chip teeth or whatever. It's just like a part of who you are. We, yeah. <laughs> I was going to change the subject and then I realized that was rude. <laughs> you can change the subject. Yeah. We, well, so we made reference to the green notebook, but we, and we, the lists and, but I feel like I didn't say, oh my gosh, I was obsessed with the green notebook and the lists. It was, an update slash improvement over Harriet the spy for me. Um, mm. Because of course I related to the passionate feelings about things. Mm -hmm. And um, I was envious of Anastasia's tidy handwriting, which is represented in pictures in the book. I don't know if your, if your yes. ebook yeah. shows that. Yeah. The ebook has like scans. Yeah. Little PDFs. Okay, good. And so I like her, I envied her tidy handwriting and I believe that my handwriting has, has grown toward Anastasia's in my, in my <laughs> life, which is a little, a little interesting. I mean, I definitely have had many phases of handwriting mimicry in my development, but I'm a list maker and I'm notebook obsessive, although I could not write in my notebooks until I was like 45. I didn't think I was having important enough thoughts. And so I'm hoping that we can pass on to the next generation that writing in notebooks is okay. Yeah. You don't have to just keep yeah. the empty ones around. <laughs> so I was saying that the everything starts happening in the last chapter, but she's been talking to her grandmother about someone named Sam who turns out to be her grandfather but we and we yeah. will do a dramatic reading about it but she ultimately decides her her grandmother dies and her baby brother is being born and she ultimately decides to not go with the name one ball riley even though she has picked it out and to name her baby brother Sam after her grandfather instead which was very sweet and a nice way to like tie everything together yeah yeah i cried a little okay okay <laughs> well it's and, and especially because so the the poetry book that her father dedicated to her he wrote for someone special colon anastasia and so to announce her brother's name she tears a piece of paper out of her notebook and just writes someone special colon sam and puts it on the baby's chest like that's very sweet that's very good 
Come on. Come you on. people who have siblings and <laughs> and like babies and stuff. Okay. I'm not saying we like babies. We're just saying it's better than it's the name a sweet one moment. Ball. It is better than one being named Riley Krupnik. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I when my brother was born, I wanted a sister. Duh. Ugh. And uh I was staying with my grandma because like Anastasia I wasn't allowed in the hospital. And uh, they called to be like, oh, Renata, like you have a brother. His name's Reed. And I was like, um, I, well, the first time I just hung up, like I just straight up hung up. <laughs> and then they called back because I thought it was a mistake. And then I was like, I wanted a sister. And I hung up again. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. This is brilliant. <laughs> so if I had been in charge of naming his, his name is Reed. I'm sure this come up before. He's been on the show. His name is Reed. I didn't pick it. I I don't know that I would have been able to come up with a gesture as as thoughtful as someone special Sam. Although, and to credit to me, I was like three and a half when my brother was born. I wasn't ten, so right, still. right. I was six when my sister was born, but no one asked me what her name should be. But yeah. also, and I have a friend who's who's eight years older than her younger sibling and she's still mad well into our 50s that wow. she's no longer an only child um oh, wow. uh it, but she her insistence was that the the baby's name be as long as hers because she had a long name oh, herself that's real weird <laughs> and so her anyway it so they had to like add a letter to her younger sister's <laughs> really name i the so, cue is silent <laughs> i remember i had a I went for a walk with my mom and she was like, it seems like you're having feelings. Uh, and I said, this is like the only time we ever had a real conversation about our feelings. I guess I was like, I feel like you're going to like the baby better than you like me. And she was like, don't be stupid. <laughs> Basically. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't usually use that language, but I'm pretty sure that's a direct quote. <laughs> and somehow that was fine. I was like, okay. I guess this is cool now. You and believed her? I did. Oh, my God. I know. Like, I you don't want to be stupid. Well, and I, see, I have had big sister syndrome without siblings my entire life. I have always thought that my friends would like their new friend better than me, that Aww. my uh, that my coworkers would like the new hire better than me. I've always had these, like, feelings that are, um, we will delve into another time. <laughs> uh, right. Well, so, you know. My mom was like, um, you know, it'll it'll be fine. We're going to love both of you. And I said, okay. <laughs> and it's, I think it worked out. You believed her. <laughs> I believed her. Oh, wow. Yeah. So trusting. <laughs> Don't use it against me. <laughs> so I read this article um, this interview with Lois Lowry 2013 with com, where she mentions that Anastasia Krupnik is one of the favorite characters that she's written and she and the interviewer have a little back and forth about like where would she have gone to college <laughs> <laughs> and what would she be doing now and Lois Lowry says maybe she went to Bard and the interviewer says oh maybe Brown because Lois Lowry went to Brown um, but definitely one of those like near Ivy or near Ivy vibe vibes. Um, but the thing that I like the best is she says, I certainly don't think Anastasia ended up as a housewife. Maybe she could have been a librarian, but that might be too organized a job for her. 
maybe, maybe she'd run a shop in Harvard Square. I could see that. <laughs> so I have to say that um, back then, she probably would have gone to Harvard because of her dad teaching there yeah. because that was before the fancy colleges gave you money for your to send your family to college like now they do grants in but it, back in the 70s and 80s they were like, just go you, you only got free tuition at the place your dad taught or your mom uh, taught i know i almost ended up going to the university of utah but my parents made me leave the state instead but yeah, so and so I think that Anastasia would have gone to Harvard against her will. Maybe. She's independent though. She wouldn't have gone to Harvard. But you she's also extremely practical. And mm, yeah. I don't think that she could have passed up a free Harvard education. Maybe. I mean, she's she's definitely got that practicality as a ten year old. Mm-hmm. Well, let's all write our Anastasia fan fiction and report back. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I okay, we're about to transition to dramatic readings, and none of us are doing any of the lists. And we've just talked about the list so much that I'm just gonna do a quick bonus dramatic reading because I just want to read one of the lists. Yeah, absolutely. This is from toward the end of the book, but not the the very by the very final edition of the list, she's crossed everything off of the things I hate list because she has like learned valuable lessons and actually like loves everything except for a liver of the food. But so this is slightly before that when there's still a few hates on it. So things I love making lists, mounds bars, writing poems, my room, my wart, Frank, parentheses, my goldfish, secret bad thoughts, which (laughs) is the name of Anastasia's Twitter account, Um, wedding gowns, Washburn Cummings, scratched out, my name. My grandmother scratched out. My friends, Wordsworth, Christmas. My parents scratched out. Memories, parentheses, especially of my wart. Washburn Cummings, parentheses, maybe. My late grandmother, my parents. Things I hate, Mr. Belden, parentheses, at the drugstore. Boys, scratched out. Liver, pumpkin pie, scratched out. Because she recently changed her opinion about that at the most recent Thanksgiving. Mrs. Westvessel, who's her teacher. My parents scratched out. Babies. Boys scratched out again. Washburn Cummings scratched out. (laughs) All my friends scratched out. My name scratched out. My parents scratched out. Hospital rules. Um, Because she's not allowed to be there when the baby's born. It's just charming, and I love the way that it's, like, updated. It's an evolving list. It's a living document, these lists. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I It would be an excellent Tumblr situation. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then also, like, I want to say, like, I could post this list and be like, tag yourself, I'm secret bad thoughts. But I'm pretty sure everyone would be secret bad thoughts. I want to be Washburn Cummings. Yeah, some people Okay, don't. okay. Maybe you should. I mean, the worst bestsellers has a has an Instagram, right? We do, yeah. Oh, that's okay. true. There you go. That's a free marketing idea for you. <laughs> yeah, we're not good at that. No. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, okay. Well, with that said, let's move on to our official dramatic readings. That was a that was a freebie, bonus dramatic reading, and our first one 
is from near the beginning of the book when her teacher, Mrs. West Vessel, who you'll recall is currently on the hate list, has assigned the everyone write a poem. And um, for this, I will play the role of Anastasia and Eileen will be Mrs. West Vessel. And uh, the kids are taking turns reading their poems aloud to the class. Also, by the way, Mrs. Westvessel grades everyone in front of them. Like, they read the poem, and then she, like, she gives the kid before Anastasia a B plus. I can't imagine that. Like, grades are private. Yeah. I, similar, like, I don't think she's as bad as the teacher from Help, I'm Trash with My Teacher's Body, but a lot of these teachers are not practicing best pedagogy, in my opinion. No. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's my opinion. Here's the reading. Anastasia had begun to feel a little funny, as if she had ginger ale inside of her knees. But it was her turn. She stood up in front of the class and read her poem. Her voice was very small, because she was nervous. Hush, hush, the sea-soft night is a swim with wrinkle-squirm creatures. Listen to them move, smooth in the moistly dark, here in the whisper-warm wet. That was Anastasia's poem. Read that again, please, Anastasia, in a bigger voice. So Anastasia took a deep breath and read her poem again. She used the same kind of voice that her father did when he read poetry to her, drawing some of the words out as long as licorice sticks and making some others thumpingly short. The class laughed. Mrs. Westvessel looked puzzled. Let me see that, Anastasia. Anastasia gave her the poem. Mrs. Westvessel's ordinary, everyday face had about 100 wrinkles in it. When she looked at Anastasia's poem, her forehead and nose folded up so much that she had 200 new wrinkles all of a sudden. Where are your capital letters, Anastasia? Anastasia didn't say anything. Where is the rhyme? It doesn't rhyme at all. Anastasia didn't say anything. What kind of poem is this, Anastasia? Can you explain it, please? Anastasia's voice had become very small again, the way voices do sometimes. It's a poem of sounds. It's about little things that live in tide pools, after dark, when they move around. It doesn't have sentences or capital letters because I wanted it to look on the page like small creatures moving in the dark. I don't know why it doesn't rhyme. It didn't seem important. And we'll end it there. But then Mrs. Westvessel gives her an F in front of everybody. Oh, my God. No wonder she's on the hate list. Yeah. yeah. I hate Mrs. Westvessel, too. Yeah. What the F, Mrs. Westvessel? She's on my hate list. Yeah. She kind of redeems herself, I guess. I guess. Yeah. She Anastasia crosses her up the list, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know if know. I could be so forgiving. Uh, all right. Oh, by the way, she then shows the poem to her dad later, and he adds letters to the F and calls it fabulous, which it is. So good parenting. Thanks, Myron. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, for our next dramatic reading, um, Anna is going to take over as Anastasia, which is, you know, appropriate name-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to explore religion with Anastasia. Um, and I'll be Myron, and Eileen will be Mom Catherine. Okay. Daddy, don't make fun of me. I was doing the sign of the cross. I'm going to become a Catholic. Your what? That is both interesting and preposterous. I am too. First, I'm going to the church on Saturday with Jennifer and talk to the guy there about picking up my dispensation. Oh? And then I'm going to catechism classes. I'm not sure how many I have to go to. 
Oh. And then I have to get a wedding dress, and then I make my first Holy Communion. A wedding dress. Yes, they make them in small sizes for Catholics. And then? Well, you may not like this part much, but then I change my name. I will be Anastasia Perpetua Krupnik. Her parents looked at each other thoughtfully, and then they both looked at Anastasia. And that's it? Yes, then I'm a Catholic. You know, most people making an important decision like that would discuss it first with their parents. Anastasia looked pointedly at her mother's middle, which was beginning to bulge slightly so that she had left the button at the top of her jeans undone. Most people making an important decision like that would discuss it first with their child. Finally, Anastasia's father said, You're going to church Saturday, you said, to pick something up? Yes, my dispensation. I'll show it to you when I get home. Fine. I suggest that we don't really need to discuss this anymore now. We'll wait till Anastasia has been to the church and talked to the, uh, the guy there about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. And then for our last dramatic reading, it's Aline's turn to be Anastasia, and Anna will be Grandma. What's your name? You have such pretty hair. Anastasia. She'd already told her that again and again. Most people remembered their grandchildren's names, she thought angrily, and also their birthdays. My boy's hair is this color. His name is Myron. For Pete's sake, thought Anastasia, Myron is 45 years old, asleep on the couch, and he's bald. Myron is a good boy, better than his brother's. Myron always does his homework. Do you do your homework, little girl? Mostly I do, but I don't like arithmetic much. Myron is the youngest, so I spoil him a little. His brothers are all so much older and they like to tease. Anastasia glanced at her father and tried to imagine him little, being teased by big brothers. It was hard. His mouth was open and he was snoring a little. His glasses were pushed up on his forehead, scrunching his eyebrows. His feet stuck out beyond the end of the couch, almost touching the Swedish ivy that grew in the deep blue pot. Dr. Myron Krupnik was six feet four inches tall. Your little boy Myron is my father. Do you have a brother, little girl? (sighs) Not yet, but in March I will. My mother and father said that I could name him. What names do you like, grandmother? Not that it mattered. Anastasia still had the name that she had chosen written in the secret place in the back of her green notebook. She hadn't changed her mind about the name. It would serve the baby right. Also her parents. Sam. Sam is a good name. Yuck, Sam. Sam's hands fit around my waist. And do you know, he can pick me right up and swing me around in the air. Sometimes he tickles me on the back of the neck with his mustache. But he doesn't come back anymore. I wonder where Sam is. Do you know where he went? Is he invited? Is he coming today? No, I guess he couldn't come. Ouch. Ouch, man. So, uh... Sam's never coming again! (laughs) I felt like the conversation really illuminated what a conversation with uh, someone having memory issues can be like. Yeah. And, because it's frustrating. And you also, you, you can, you're brought with them to where their memories are as well. And so you have feelings with them too. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something... Uh, 
Anastasia, like later in the book, she, well, earlier in the book, she had read a poem, I think Wordsworth about the inward eye. And she doesn't really understand what that means. And her dad says it's about memories. And so she like has this lens of poetry to sort of like analyze her mother, her grandmother's experience and to like, you know, she's thinking these like kind of big existential thoughts. Yeah. She is. Yeah. And, um, I appreciate that as a, a person who, who didn't have, I mean, at the time I read this and, the, and it took a while for my grandparents to be in the position of needing care. And so I basically, this was the only thing I had to like approximate that experience. So it was like a safe place for me to feel those things. And then I could put it down and be like, I'm cool now. Thanks. No more feelings. <laughs> Uh, yeah and and that is a great powerful function of literature oh and that's why we should keep books in schools and libraries thanks everyone oh i don't know i don't know the anastasia books have been challenged they were number 29 of 100 on some list at some point in their heyday yeah well let's let's move into reader's advisory and suggest some other books to uh challenge or remove from libraries <laughs> uh. um so obviously we've mentioned are you there god is me margaret several times <laughs> yeah i do think there's a kinship between those and i do think well a few a few mere episodes ago we talked about that and came up with a list of books a lot of those focus and some to some degree about periods because of course that's a big part of margaret that isn't in this one but even so i think like the big emotional journey isn't sort of like like you know contemporary well whatever realistic fiction the, the vibes are there for sure for sure for sure um so take a look at that list and um what else what else do you guys want to suggest Aline has some has good suggestion so i you know i'm showing my age of course but uh the rest of the anastasia books were a delightful read and we ha we didn't reread all of them for this so i don't know if they continue to hold up we did discover that the fourth entry anastasia ask your analyst was reprinted in 2015 as anastasia off her rocker which uh we hope that they would reprint it again with a better title. And if you read the Alice books by Phyllis Reynolds Naylor, they were also challenged. They were also coming of age. Alice is definitely white and goes through a whole lot of things in her life. And there, there are similarities. They were also challenged. And I felt like as a reader, these, these Anastasia books and the books that you re really relate hard to kind of are pre precursor to Bridget Jones and her ilk for mm -hmm. some of us. I mean, she's also journaling. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, while we've been talking, I thought of otherwise known as Sheila the Great. And oh, Sheila yeah. is the nemesis of Peter in Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, Fudge's older brother. And so it's by Judy Bloom. It's... Um, it's like a side book to a, a beloved series that kind of never went anywhere, which is interesting because I remember really liking Sheila. I need Me to too. read her again 
But I, you know, I remember liking Sheila as much as I liked The Great Gilly Hopkins by Katherine Patterson. And again, I'm showing my age. These are things I read at the time. And so I'm hoping- Way back. Way back when. That, so I'm hoping that my um, my colleagues can give me some 21st century Anastasia, Margaret, Sheila action. Yeah. From the Dusk of Zoe Washington by Janae Mark. It's also sort of a local story, actually. Zoe takes a little trip into, well, she goes to Davis Square, I believe. And I was like, ah. I was like pointing my finger in recognition, like, I know that. Um, But she, as you can tell from the title, like she is writing, she has a, you know, personally stationary, this is from the desk of Zoe Washington, which as Aline and I know, it can feel very um, important to have things with your name on it. Yeah. uh, Customized. Um, It's a little bit heavier just in the terms that like her father's incarcerated so like she has this other like issue that is sort of a, a cut above Anastasia's problems but the tone and the writing and the localness I, I like all that very much the first role of punk by Celia Perez is another like really fun really big personality narrator a girly who likes to write um she makes zines which is very cool um she's another city girl so those are a couple that I would suggest. Thank you. We'll have we'll have this whole list and maybe some other ones up at our website, worstbestsellers.com. Let's play as a treat. Let's play a round of Would You Rather. We haven't done this in a while. I'm ready. Okay. Would you rather convert to Catholicism or go through life without having the middle name Perpetua? I think I'd do it. I'd convert to Catholicism. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> that's very sweet. I, I don't think that I would convert to Catholicism for uh, many reasons, including avoiding being Aline Elizabeth Perpetua Morale. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, though. That is, that is super awesome name it is it is a super awesome name i think it was super awesome without the perpetua too though that's true okay yeah renata perpetua i don't think like scans as well it's i don't know i do as previously mentioned i don't like love my middle name it does have some issues but becoming catholic seems like a lot of work and I don't, um, I don't use my middle name that often. So I, I think I'll just like carry on without without acquiring the name Perpetua. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to convert to Catholicism, but I'm going to write humorous tweets and blog posts about it, which are then going to be optioned for a comedic memoir. Ooh. So it's going to be a revenue stream, also. Yes. Oh. And I'm just Third trying to figure. Out, I, so my middle name is Grace. So I think it's going to be Anna Perpetua Grace because that's going to be the most metal like yeah that's Grace cool. perpetua no it's Anna gonna be perpetua, perpetua grace because it okay. flows better all right yeah more metal. i agree perpetua grace okay i also think perpetua could be a good cat name oh yeah. oh yeah so maybe i will get a new cat and then ask if the cat is catholic and the- <laughs> <laughs> and uh see about naming naming her perpetua all right how about, would you rather wear a poetry outfit or a t-shirt with your name on it? I used to have t-shirts that said Anna the Grape on them. <laughs> that is Whoa. grape as in the fruit, not Anna the Grape. Uh, so it was a purple Hang shirt. Where, were those custom made or was Anna the Grape like a 
a it was shop? it was like someone had you know like the little letters that you could apply on oh sure yeah, yeah. someone made it for me and um i wore it far past the point of time when it fit on me <laughs> wow okay it's in the garage if you want to see it of course Ellie. it is no i have seen it when okay. we went through yeah. the garage <laughs> anyway so 100 percent, always a shirt with my name on it <laughs> what about you i so this goes back to like having a shirt with my name on it just means people are going to say it wrong. And this is something that I deal with every day at work because I wear a name badge. And mm. I, you know, I have conversations about how to pronounce my name. So I would absolutely wear a poetry outfit and in fact may paint my nails crimson later today. Totally yes. should. Yeah, the poetry outfit, I mean, I turtleneck is not a good look for me personally i would like a cape um i i have had t-shirts with my name on it but twist not renata because when you work at i don't know if you know this you and annaline slash you the listeners when you work at girl scout camp you have to acquire a camp name and my camp name was, was zelda so i had some zelda shirts okay uh so I would I would love to have another Zelda shirt, actually. That makes sense. I feel like you wear poetry outfits sometimes anyway. Not the turtleneck, but like right. dark colors. Yeah, no, I so mean, you're I, that, yeah. I wear a lot of black, but, but never ever a turtleneck. I have a short neck and I um I have never been able to even wear a mock tee without um losing my ears. <laughs> so um, it's, yeah. But a black t-shirt and jeans, absolutely. Uh, all right. And how about would you rather eat liver, which by the end of the book is the only thing left standing on Anastasia's hate list, or eat at Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that only serves steaks and cakes? Uh, well, as a vegetarian, I'm going to go with Steaks and Cakes because at least they have cakes. I am going to be extremely not woke. I, I don't even know what it is, but, you know... A really good pate on a really crusty <laughs> bread is really, really good. And so if it's not, if I can have my liver adulterated into pate, then I will eat it. Otherwise, um, I will eat the steak while Anna eats the cake. Okay. Uh, well, I, as you all know, I will be at Steaks and Cakes eating my whole cake and no steak. So I'll see you there, Anna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> I don't remember what the, I mean, it's, I believe it's animal cruelty that creates um, good pate. And I, yeah, I think I, they have to like fatten the geese. I recognize that that is French, problematic. The French geese. <laughs> the French geese. But the French geese know what they did. Oh yeah, probably. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were horrible geese causing problems on purpose. I bet. Probably. Uh okay, and then another another game we haven't played in a minute. How about a candy pairing? Uh, which you know Anastasia's favorite is mound candy, which is very funny and to me because I just I don't think any child today has the favorite candy of mounds bars, but they are pretty good. I like a mounds bar, but Ellie doesn't like coconut, so you know I do like coconut. No, you don't. I just don't like coconut the way it is presented in the United States. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you want the like fresh coconut from the I, from I, the tree in the tropics? I don't know. <laughs> Renata, did you have coconut in DR? We did. Yeah, you could drink like coconut juice. Like coconut water was pretty popular. They 
the only other thing they would mostly do with it though was make like a a coconut uh candy that was I didn't love it. It was kind of like just like shredded sweetened coconut and kind of like a brick. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Mounds Bar without the chocolate and right. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. And so I think that because I think the thing that I don't like about coconut is that it is sweetened. And, you know, the even like the coconut flakes that you might put in cookies that you buy are sweetened. And, um, Anyway, I don't like mounds. I don't like a lot of coconut things in the U.S. Fine, <laughs> sorry. So I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna go with almond joy. <laughs> <laughs> so she spends a lot of time at the drugstore, going in and then like eyeballing the magazines. And if she tries to open them and read inside, the drugstore owner is like, "You open it, you buy it, girly." Um, but I kind of feel like she might have like a, like a, I don't know, like a root beer barrel energy also okay okay um so that that's what i'm gonna go with like a little sucky candy that is root beer flavored well and i'm gonna go with some of my fondest 70s memories which (laughs) oh you have 70s memories oh hush (laughs) and they were um so you like your regular drugstore including all of the M&M Mars products, there would still be Wonka products that are like harder to find these days. And so mm-hmm. like I would be interested in, um, I could see Anastasia really enjoying Tartan Tinies, which were these I love little tiny, we have some right here next to us, <laughs> these little tiny kind of sweet tart kind of things. And um, something else occurred to me and now it has departed my brain and it was not a Wonka candy. Oh, lick a maid. Oh shit. Yeah. I I really loved lick a maid in the 70s and wow. I know that it's still available. Is that the one where you like it, have the packet of powder and then you have the stick or is yeah. something else? Yeah, you dip the yeah, you I like lick the stick too. and you dip it in. And I remember you couldn't tell which uh powder was which if you weren't looking at the packet because the powders they didn't put dye in them and so the red powder tasted red but it was white (laughs) and the green powder tasted green but it was also white so it just looked like powdered laundry detergent (laughs) Um, but it was delicious (laughs) that was the 70s basically pretty much candy cigarettes and lick a maid all right. Well, I'm I'm gonna in solidarity with Anastasia. I don't know if I explicitly said, but my candy pairing will be mounds. And speaking of candy cigarettes, uh, a a a quick chaotic round of the rock paper snicked because uh, you know Kate is out shopping for poetry outfits. But the rock paper snicked is of course the game where I will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I will also say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Anna and Aline can choose which most enhances the book. Or they can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. So I think if The Rock were in this book, in in this universe, he would portray a fellow professor at Harvard, um, but he would be teaching, like, well, we'll say history, but I, th- like, I think his focus would be in, like, Samoan history specifically and, like, Pacific history. But um, he, as a fellow non-toxic man, I think would be kind of friendly with Myron, like even, you know, cross-cultural, not cross-cultural, well, cross-cultural, but also cross-departmental solidarity. 
And I think sometimes they would go out to like the symphony together. And so Anastasia would know him and just be like, wow, this is my dad's like really big, big friend. (laughs) And he would probably teach Anastasia some like Samoan words to write in her notebook. Meanwhile, if Wolverine were in this, uh, a scene we didn't mention explicitly is after Sam is born, Myron goes to the drugstore to buy cigars from Mr. Belden to be like, wow, that's a boy. And Anastasia gets a chocolate cigar. And he would be there also buying cigars because he likes cigars. And he would like hear about the baby and he would just sort of like nod and say, congratulations, bub, before stalking off mysteriously to wherever he was going. And Anastasia would briefly experiment with calling people bub before moving on to a new word. (laughs) So I really appreciate The Rock being a professor of um, Pacific history. Mm -hmm. And I also love that Anastasia would call people bub. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for a while yeah the it's vision so- of her so she's always saying for pete's sake yeah yeah i feel like if she incorporated bub briefly that would be in character and then uh you know next week it's gonna be partner or something bro yeah. <laughs> so anyway i i i go with snicked because yeah, yeah. i really like the image of anastasia calling people bub sorry kate <laughs> in absentia <laughs> All right, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte shares his opinions about the book. So true. So true. Uh, Early on, I think it's actually when Anastasia's, like, thinking about having secret bad thoughts. She's thinking about secret places, and she, like casually mentioned that her cat had looked for a secret place to give birth to kittens and it was in their laundry which is a a good place for a cat but then she never really talks with the cat again or the kittens and i do agree with dorte that that is a real stunning absence from the book yeah i mean if the if the apartment is so small that they have to convert the pantry into a baby's room I want to know how the cats slash cats are involved with everything. Yeah. I mean, our cats are involved with everything. Same, obviously. Yeah. It's a real like Chekhov's kitten situation. If you introduce kittens in the first chapter, we need to see them frolicking by the end of the book. We never do. We need one to be like curling up with her when she's packing to to run away. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so especially because of the size of the apartment, I do wonder if they, you know, perhaps responsibly surrendered the kittens to a shelter or foster family, but she never tells us. We will never know. That'll be my fan. Maybe Netflix will adapt this property. Well, Lois Lowry lives in Boston. We're not a hunter down and ask. Okay. I'll get on that. (laughs) She did. I don't think she does anymore. Although it says she has properties in Massachusetts. I think she's in Hawaii now. Oh, wow. It's probably a good choice. That's we can look her up. We can stalk her. Facebook stalker. I'm also like, is she still alive? Like, how old is Lola? She old? is, yeah. She is still alive. I believe she is old. Let's go, let's go to Wikipedia. Oh, she's 86. Wow. Good for her. Good for her. Oh, she was born in Hawaii. Wow. Maybe. Oh, so, so she maybe went she, back she... home to die. Hey. Oh, boy. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's <Boy>. dark. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. 
Um, Can we name our next cat One Ball Riley? No. Because our cats have no balls. That's (laughs) true. No Ball Riley? Yeah, No Ball Riley if it's a boy, Perpetua if it's a girl. Definitely. That sounds good. I I don't know. I still like Robusto. Yeah, so maybe she is in Boston still. It says she has properties in Massachusetts and Maine. Keep an eye out for her, Renata. Okay, okay. She could be anywhere. <laughs> she could be. We saw anywhere. Judy Bloom last week at ALA, so now we just need to see Lois Lowry and we'll be all set. Wow. Brag. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, well, Duarte, thanks for your opinions and thanks for pointing out this glaring flaw in the book. Uh, do any humans have any closing thoughts? We appreciate you having us on. It was a joy to revisit this book. It and, really was. Uh, if you've read it as a young person, you should give it another go. It was it was a delight. And we need to uh, sign off so that we can make some lists. Yes, yes. Uh, one quick closing thought I have, because I didn't read the whole series, but I think especially since Kate's not here, I need to bring up the queer content. I know you guys are also fans of queer content, obviously. Yeah. But it mentions in a later book, that Anastasia has a crush on her female gym teacher. Do you remember that? Do you have thoughts on that? I know that wasn't the book that we read, but I don't think I, I got to that one. I do remember it. And um, I also had a large lesbian gym teacher. <laughs> and so I was a little, I was a little put off by it because I was sort of like, well, you know, I don't think my gym teacher is hot, although she is definitely a lady gym teacher. Um, but this was in during the time in my life when I did not know that pretty girls could be queer. Mm. Um, and I, uh, I, I was uh, subject to the socialization of my time or something. I don't know what it was anyway. Um, so I, I remember it and I remember being like, Oh, huh. And it didn't change my life in in any particular way like it could have so i'm sorry that i didn't pick up on it okay i'm glad that it was in there i didn't remember it at all okay well i just i just wanted it on the record anastasia had a crush on her gym teacher but not in this book that we read um and that's my closing thought is that that happened and if you would like to come um, talk to us online about your secret bad thoughts or lesbian gym teachers or anything else, not anything else. There's a lot of things, actually. Please don't tell us. But yeah. um, anything else related to this book, uh, we as a podcast are on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestseller Spell Normally. We're on Twitter still, kind of, in its last gasp at Worst Bestseller with no S because the S went to someone special, Sam. He needed an extra S for all of that. Uh, so you can come find us in any of those places, if you dare. I have to take over for Kate and say that our podcast is available wherever you can find podcasts. Not Stitcher, because you can't find podcasts on Stitcher anymore, R.A.P., we're on Patreon. You can give us some money and we'll be so happy to have it. And you can get a bonus episode in exchange and some other stuff. And you can find that on our Patreon page if you don't know about it. How about you guys? We have joined your Patreon and send you money and we've never regretted it. Yay! Not even once. <laughs> um, I, we are still on Twitter. I am at Surly Spice. And I'm at Helga Grace, H-E-L-G-A-G-R-A-C-E. And we uh, we still retweet cute memes from Bellwether Friends 
That's B-E-L-L-W-E-T-H-E-R-F-R-N-D-S because they stole the IE. We haven't um, abandoned Twitter entirely, but it keeps getting worse and worse, doesn't it? Like the search doesn't even work. Yeah, I didn't even post about our most recent episode on the worst bestseller Twitter because the schedule functionality stopped working. And I was like, well, I'm not going to remember to do it when the episode actually comes out. If I can't schedule it, it's not happening. And it didn't happen. And then it didn't uh, happen. It didn't happen. But you know what? The episode came out anyway. By the way, Bellwether Friends is a podcast. Kate and I both have been guests on it before. Uh, it's a delightful podcast. Even if there are not new episodes currently in production, you can still listen to the old ones. They're still up there. There are more than 100 of them. Yeah, there are yeah. a lot of them. Dig on, dig on in. Oh, and I'm uh, I'm Renaz next. Don't worry about it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and and Eileen, thank you for joining me. Sorry you didn't get to talk to Kate, but you've you've talked to her before. <laughs> I can't her. wait to see her poetry outfit. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, thank you again, and thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks as a podcast. Flashback summer will continue. We're moving forward in time to Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging by Louise Renison. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good one. Until then, bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Oh, I see. I can't read.